0: Hey everyone, welcome to the first real version of the Hess's Heroes podcast. If you haven't taken the chance to listen to my little intro spiel about why I decided to do this, I, I certainly encourage you to do so, but I know everybody's busy, so here's the bulleted version. Like a lot of folks, I've had days when things were going well, and days when I felt like I was spinning my wheels. Most recently, I took a few classes that I thought would possibly open up some opportunities in my day job in science editing. You know, The idea was to become more versed in some technology stuff, but I'll be honest, it didn't really go that well. I was trying to make myself into something I wasn't. Around that time, a friend asked me to do some soul searching and to really think about what I was good at. I pondered that carefully, and I sort of decided that the thing I enjoyed most, and perhaps had some small amount of talent for, was crafting a good story. Back in the day, that meant telling stories about biology and lectures as a professor, and now it means crafting a story about a product that might impact education. I decided it would be fun to find another way to seek out other inspiring stories and the people behind them and perhaps amplify these stories to a broader audience. So here we are. This podcast and website will champion the story of heroes, inducting each into the Hess's Hall of Heroes as we learn more about their amazing stories via audio podcast or perhaps a blog. I encourage you, of course, to subscribe to the podcast and pass along our story to others and I absolutely welcome suggestions of people whose tale has been impactful in your life. My guess is that others will benefit in a similar way. To that end, today's first guest an inaugural inductee into the Hall of Heroes is Nelson Della Maggiore. Nelson and I go way back to our days as college students in the far-flung town of Gainesville, Florida. He and his lovely wife are the creative force behind the wonderful documentary film, Brooklyn Castle, which follows a story of a group of inner city kids that are just a few of the unlikely superstars of chess from the school IS-318 in New York that has dominated middle school chess for the last couple decades or so. I rewatched the movie to prep for this chat and damned if I didn't get all choked up several times while viewing. Even if you're thick skinned it's hard not to get incredibly invested in the characters that Nelson and Katie portray. It's a wonderful piece of filmmaking and has justifiably won awards including, I think, the People's Choice Award at South by Southwest. Nelson and I discuss a whole range of topics, including how even if you are caught up in the daily grind of your day job and don't really love it, there's a lot of value in starting small side projects like this one that you really care about to see where it goes. He then puts me in my place when I complain about the terrible television that kids watch today and offers some great advice as to how you can make screen time with the family most impactful. There's also some fun stuff about how one can follow up initial successes and not get caught up in a sophomore slump. You know, it's hard to follow up Brooklyn Castle. And lastly, we champion the opportunity to actually experience some boredom in your life in modern times, which isn't always something that we do. I hope you take some lessons home from this great discussion, but I'm certain you will no doubt leave it agreeing with me that Nelson's passion and gift for storytelling make him an appropriate first person to be inducted into the Hall of Heroes. And I'm going to start with a tradition By giving him a hero name and this is an easy one we will call him brooklyn castle how about he is a hero who uses his amazing powers of strategy and understanding of tactics to thwart evildoers at every turn nelson or should i say brooklyn castle to protect your secret identity thanks so much for taking the time to join us today it means a lot to me personally and i think everybody including myself is really excited to learn a little bit more about your story
1: Thanks, Chris. Yeah, I'm honored to be your first hero. <laughs> Although I, I like to think that I, you know, what we do, my wife and myself is we find the the people you're talking about, you know, like we go out and find the heroes. I think that's a big part of why we do what we do. And at the core of, you know, what I, I started to aspire to do when we first met in college, I uh, met you, in, you at the University of Florida and I uh, moved to New York as soon as I graduated. I got the heck out of Florida, the weird place that it is. Came here and, you know, I knew I wanted to work in television. Um, I studied production, television production in in college and film as a minor. So I knew I wanted to do something, but I wasn't sure. You know, ended up getting a PA job, which is basically the low man on the totem pole. It's just above intern because you actually get paid. But it's, you know, you do everything. It's always good. Yeah, you do everything. You know, it was uh, $100 a day, you know, got on a gig for, you know, X amount of weeks and then Hopefully, you just keep hearing it's, you know, we call it freelance. Some people called it permalance because they would keep you on basically as everything but actually giving you a, a, a real job at the company. <laughs> you know, they would give you benefits, and but then you could be let go in a second. So uh, that was kind of like this weird world that doesn't exist anymore because it broke every union rule, I'm sure, in the, in the world. Um, things have changed drastically in the 20 years. But, um, yeah, so it was a, a great place to get a first job, actually, because I don't know if there's many places like this anymore. Because as a PA, I got to do everything. I mean, they would send me out on shoots, I would, sometimes they'd be, you know, it was MTV, they had, they had money, but they also were cheap on things. So they would be like, here, you you run the second camera, or, you know, I got to try and do everything. So there's kind of the three headed monster of, that world is, you know, either a producer, you know, being out in the field, being the person cutting the stuff, which is ultimately what I do now, editing and post-production. And then, you know, there's like being the camera person, audio person that kind of in the field tech, you know, I dabbled in all of it, but ultimately I really gravitated to editing and post-production because I found that I was like, okay, this is where I can really uh, shape the, all the, all the pieces together. I was, I was into Legos. So it's like, to me, it's like, I get to build these things. You give me all the pieces and I get to build it. And
0: yeah, that's a good metaphor.
1: Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I've been, and then I've been doing that. Um, I haven't, you know, basically got an agent doing editing. Um, after I kind of worked as a producer for a while, I worked a lot, like understanding the process at other levels. And then at a certain point I had to decide like, which way do I want to go and I chose editing and just kind of started only taking editing jobs, telling people, okay, I'm an editor now. <laughs> and that's always, the, that was always the joke is like, you want to become an editor, turn down work for two months and tell everybody you're an editor. And then, you know, then you'll start getting calls to be an editor. It basically did that and got an agent and I've been doing that ever since. And, you know, I work a. Still, I jump job to job like every eight weeks I'm working on a new project. Uh, sometimes I do, like last year, I worked on a project for a whole year, which is not common. Um, and it's great because I get to tell lots of stories of all different kinds. I work at live TV. I do sports. I do uh, long-form documentaries. Um, you know, The work with Brooklyn Castle was something that my wife and I both aspired to do, which was to just create our own story. Uh, nuts soup to nuts, like nobody else's input, nobody else's money. And like we we had creative control because you don't ever get that on the, the kind of paid gigs that we do. You know, you're always having to answer to somebody. Well,
0: yeah. So that, I mean, that, that's a pretty good segue. I mean, you know, we were discussing before we started recording about the idea of uh, exploring side hustles and how those can kind of be something that, I don't know, reaches you deep down inside. It gets to the stuff you really want to do. And it sounds like you've kind of done that on multiple fronts, right? You didn't really know what you were going to do when you got to New York but you just decided to go for it and i think that's what you have to do with some of these side projects is you just have to be willing to take the leap right and 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 that's sort of how brooklyn got started too it wasn't something that you were expecting to to make a bunch of bank on right it wasn't something that mgm had solicited you to do you guys were doing that mostly for yourself and it ended up being something that you know won awards and i mean like a lot of people have seen that film i mean that me film means a lot to it. A lot of people, I mean, you know, I know you, you are trying to deflect the hero thing, but like telling those stories to me is, is pretty heroic. So how did that particular project transform from something that was just kind of something that was in your heart and soul to something that became much more than that? I mean, that's and why did it happen upon that? I mean, I think it's that story in itself is pretty cool.
1: Yeah. um, You know, my my wife is a producer and I'm an editor and actually my brother in law, Katie's brother, Brian, is a cinematographer. He's a a camera guy. And so we had the, the the three heads of the monster all like in our family. And we all get along still, by the way. So it's like it's it, it worked. It's a tribute uh, to you guys
0: for sure. That's not easy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, it's not easy working with family, but it, it really it it worked out well. And I mean, those are the hardest things. Like you know, the stumbling box for first timers that don't have those resources are getting those people to work for nothing or for whatever money you can pay them. And for us, you know, we just being family, we we're like, Oh yeah, let's just do this thing. And it started really just as wanting to do we actually had three different little brooklyn stories my wife and my brother-in-law they're from born and raised in brooklyn so there's like a there was this want to do like a story about brooklyn like the the, the weird you know the unlikely people that live in the in the borough and it's a great place for stories there's i mean it's been many movies made about it but you know it, was such, it seemed easy you know it's in our backyard we had the The resources to do it for basically nothing and just borrowing stuff so it started with like this uh like grandmother cooking kind of thing and this guy that made coffee and then katie found the story of the school playing chess and then it was just all our focus just went right to that immediately after you know we were like well this is way more interesting than any of that other stuff and you know the school let us in and first we were like okay let's go to a, let's fly with them to that first chess tournament you see at the beginning like right after the title there's you're at the that big super nationals with like the big room full of thousands of kids and we went to this event and of course there's that one we went to the biggest one there is and it's you know they only do that one every four years but that happened to be our very first experience with the story and it's like amazing to see that many kids just being quiet in a room uh having being a father now i didn't realize uh how
0: amazing that actually is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can attest as well.
1: Yeah, uh and so we were like wow this is it it just every step of the way it just got it, it just became more and more clear that we had to keep going and we did it didn't it was second nature I mean we were first timers so we weren't really sure how necessarily do it the right way uh and budgetarily I mean like we just kind of you know shot when we could and did it you know, out of our own pocket, traveled, you know, paid for the travel ourselves. And so after following the team for basically a year, us deciding, okay, Katie, you're going to take a year off from work to follow the school around, or, you know, the team around, and I'm going to just work and we'll live off that. And (laughs) that was basically how we got it done. And my brother-in-law would, he worked... I think at the time, yeah, at the time he was he worked for Major League Baseball. He works for Major League Baseball. So we had him all summer. <laughs> and but like during baseball season or I mean we had him all out of baseball season, not summer. During, but summer. But yeah. summer, yeah. Um so, you know, we which is like basically the school year. So, you know, we got we had him for a good period of time too. And yeah, and you know, it just it just never stopped. The point where it became really real is like okay, now we had got we had shot for a year and we had five hundred hours of footage. And it was like, now what do we do? Now what do we do? Like, okay, we know we have a story in the box, but it was like this struggle of, okay, how do we turn that into this thing that will hopefully not only save the school, but will hopefully be something that people would actually want to watch, you know? And so we, and all the, all the fear and doubt that comes with that, like, is this any good or, you know, do a hat. It seems obvious when you see it done, but it's, daunting when it's not so
0: yeah I mean I think there's a lot of cool lessons there though right I mean you really didn't necessarily expect this to turn into anything at the beginning and you were like totally willing to pivot when you found something different Mm -hmm. and and I mean at the end you still even though you knew you had something good you still had a bit of you know what I'd call imposter syndrome right like is this any good I mean I think it's good but am I just you know seduced by my own opinion, right? I mean, are, is it going to be, have widespread appeal? And I think a lot of people fall prey to all of those things, right? I mean, like there's so many things that it's like I well, I th- kind of think I could do that. I mean, I, you know, we were talking earlier, I've been teaching myself to play drums. I honestly think I'm pretty bad, but you know, people still are asking me to come over and play with them. So maybe I'm not as bad as I think I am, but I totally have imposter syndrome for that. And I've I've pretty much had that at at every step along the way. And probably those kids had it when they first started playing chess. I mean, think about that Patrick kid. I mean, he's like, you know, terrible at the beginning, right? But like he overcomes that because people encourage him. And I think that that's a really a great part of the story within the story, right? Is Mm -hmm. that you guys really overcame so much of this stuff that's uh you know that's pretty awesome really yeah i mean there were points where i was
1: you know we spent a year and a half basically editing it after we shot it i mean there were points where i you know you you, you finally share something that you put together like our very first cut of this was probably 45 minutes longer than the final cut and uh was terrible you know and but at the time you know you're like And everybody tears it apart and you're just like crushed. You're like, I don't get it. Why is, you know, like, you know that it's there and it's, it's this weird thing. And I do it to people now being the editor, you know, like I am working more on films, like coming in after they kind of have this thing, I go, I see it, but let's just reorder it and, you know, rip it apart. And you're like, what, (laughs) you know, and, and like, having the it's easy to do to other people but it's really hard
0: when it's your thing and you know it was like well it's really hard to take that criticism right i mean you got to have some seriously thick skin
1: yeah for sure and like it's like you have to and it's like if we didn't listen the film wouldn't be you know what it is it was listening to all that feedback and really examining ourselves and letting go of that ego and just going like okay we can make this better and taking the extra time to do it and it was drastically different and Radically better, and so you know. There again, there was you know. I, there's lessons to be learned, you know, about that. And I think I think about something I learned in like an improv class in college, which was like just like about sometimes you have to destroy the thing you love to like find the you know the better version of it. That thing that you created, you know, whether it's a song where you like nope, music's great but the lyrics suck or whatever, you know, like whatever it is in like starting over and having just not settling, you know, and not going like no, I can make this better.
0: Well, and I, I really, like. I think you, you touched on something I, I find important in my own creative process for, you know, whether it's music or writing or, or whatever is that feedback loop, right? So like, like some point you, you can't really see it for yourself, right? So it's really important to like have some objective third party, take a look at it and, and give you some feedback and you, and you have to be really willing to, to take that and, and not let it you know, honestly, crush you, right? Because it, it can be really hard to assimilate that and not take it personally.
1: Well, one thing I've learned is that, especially maybe more so with storytelling, is that it's sometimes, it, they, people don't know how to articulate the problems that they have with it. You know, they say, I don't like this. Or they use very, you know, they, they're just, you ask them, and this is a hard thing about asking friends for feedback, is that they'll just use, you know, very general terms that are, very it's hurtful to you as the creator but it's like they don't know how else to describe it perhaps or they just don't know how to articulate the problem and so i find that a lot of times it's like how do you interpret the note how do you interpret the thought of like okay well in storytelling specifically i think it's like an ordering thing a lot of times like the order in which you disseminate the information are we disseminating too much information like how are like how is that pace happening is a lot of times the problem and so it's like dissecting their note and not always taking it literally. And so, and I think then it, you can kind of ease back, you know, some of that discomfort and go, like, okay, well, what are they really trying to say? It's not because a
0: lot of people, most people won't tell you they hate something. <laughs> <laughs> well, and most people are terrible at giving constructive feedback, right? I mean, yeah. you know, like this isn't good is, you know, I remember when I was a professor, right? I mean, he was terrible was not real helpful. I mean, like, give me something I can do with. I mean, I don't think I got that all that often, but you know, if I, if, if I got a negative review, I wanted something actionable, right? I mean, give me some, but that's not easy to do, especially I think you're right when you're talking about storytelling. I mean, one of the things about Brooklyn I thought was so well done was, you know, there's a lot of really interesting stories of those individual characters in there. And to Mm -hmm. me, it was really wonderfully done how you managed to give so many of them they're just deserves, you know, because there's, there's a lot of personalities and, you know, like there could have been a whole movie about Rochelle, right. There could have been a whole movie about, you know, uh, a whole movie about justice. Yeah. That could have been easy. Right.
1: Yeah. And there was even kids that, you know, aren't aren't in, I mean, you see like this kid, James Black, he is like the kid that's rapping with Pobo at the chess club. Like, like he, we, we had more storyline to him and ultimately his storyline was so close to Justice's because he's just as good and at times better,
0: <laughs> you know. Yeah, like, I mean he it, won the he won the national championship in that in yeah. that film, right? So
1: you know we we really struggled. One of our hardest things was cutting him down. You know, we we had these moments that were great, but like to make him a sixth character in the story on top of the five kids, and then. We always considered the school story, it's like another storyline, you know? So a six stories, so seven stories, like that's a lot to juggle. I mean, even what we were juggling was really tough. So, you know, it, that was something that we felt bad about. Um, I mean, he's doing wonderful. I think he's actually in college with Justice now at Webster on the chess team, which is one of the few universities that actually has a chess team.
0: Yeah, I looked at I looked at Katie's Twitter page and saw some updates on some of the the people. I don't want to give it away because you know so much of the film. People should go watch go watch the movie. It's very good. it's very good. So uh, I wanted to maybe pivot a little bit and talk about documentary film in general. We've we've been talking about how people should feel a bit empowered to like try to go off and do their some creative stuff on their own. You know that's more. Possible today than it's ever been, right? I mean, I'm making a podcast here. That's like it was. It took me a, only a little bit of time to get all the all the equipment and and stuff necessary to do this. I mean, that's there's more going into what you guys do, but that kind of that kind of um, DIY sort of thing is really possible these days. Uh, which means there's a ton of bad stuff out there. I feel like how can we do a better job of curating that and like maybe talk a little bit about how you've done this with your kids? You know because the thing that one of the things that frustrates me the most is I want my kids to love a film like Brooklyn. but if I put my five year old son Levi in front of brooklyn he wouldn't he wouldn't last ten minutes right because he's just he's he's used to so much i mean his favorite thing to watch is these is this terrible YouTube kids stuff where people like open presents and things like that, or their families just hanging out and doing stuff. It drives me absolutely crazy. So, um, (laughs) you know, I'm curious how you have gotten, how, how we should do a better job maybe of getting great filmmaking out there more and more popularized. I don't, maybe that's a, you know, a marketing question, but if you have any ideas on that and how can we maybe encourage the next generation to love the kind of stuff that we think they should love.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, look, we've had screenings at Brooklyn castle at, for every age group, kids will sit and watch it. I think I, how, I don't know how old your son is uh, now. He's probably He's like five. six, five, six. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my oldest is five as well. And I mean, I just think there is like a, a thing where, you know, our parents didn't understand why video games are entertaining, <laughs> you know? So like, why should we understand why those type of YouTube shows are? My kids love them too, sure. so, you know? Like, right. <laughs> um, you know, they love to watch, yeah, it's like kids playing with toys, like making up stories. In a weird way, I think it helped my kids understand what they were supposed to do with toys. But <laughs> I try to like let them watch things that have stories and then we talk about them. And then, you know, really like get into it. Like who was the bad guy? What did they, you know, what happened? after this and like really get into like the nuts and bolts of the story and like talk about the moments and make sure they're trying to like get some comprehension behind what we just watched and i I try to do that a lot and i try not to give it to them like when they're by themselves but it's really easy you know to need you need 10 minutes to do something it's like here put this on for you you know and they know how to navigate it so quickly now I don't know. Like I, I feel like a hypocrite, not letting my kids watch TV. And like, I make TV. I like watching TV. I like playing video games. Like I like doing all those things.
0: Yeah, it, it is a struggle. And and I think you're right. I mean, I, we try to do like family movie mu- movie night yeah. as much as we can. I, I think it's really good advice to be like, well, let's talk about this. You know, like you just watched the film. There was, you know, there were some real lessons in there. You know, why was that story good or what, what meant something to you? We, I, We you know, we ask my kid questions as much as possible about like and maybe we could do this about the movie too. We ask him at the end of the day, you know, what did you do that was brave today? You know, and what did you do that was where you failed today? And you could probably ask those same sort of questions about about what did you do that was kind today? You know, we could ask those questions about movies too, because a lot of those things are inherent in a lot of the stories that that they watch, if they're if they're done well. I mean, I'm not sure about Spongebob SquarePants.
1: No, but there's quality there is quality stuff. I mean, we we lost some you know lost some grandparents not too long ago and so there's a movie out it's up for best animated picture it was uh pixar it's coco and it's about losing family and remembering them and you know it's like this really like deep stuff but the kids loved it i mean it's a great movie and we were all crying at the end and then it really like sparked this great conversation about talking about past ones that have you know and like them wanting to look at pictures of them and talk about them and it was great it was like that it brought us together as a family and and we can use and that's when I think that it's like the most powerful medium you know like you that you can spark discussion and you can it's one of the things that is great about watching things with groups of people (laughs) you know like we we tend to watch things at home alone but part of like the, the like especially at film festivals and like presenting Brooklyn Castle was talking about it and so many people talking about how chess had helped them in their life or, or now go, or inspired to start a program at their school that they're like, our school needs something like this, you know? So,
0: yeah, it's cool. that so much good has come out of that, both for that school and, and more generally. Right. I mean, that's exciting. Uh, Coco is actually on the top of our queue. We almost watched it as a family last night, but it was, uh, it wasn't available for rent. It was only available for buying. And uh, you know, in these days, you know, it's, uh, it's much easier to just, uh, to, to rent a movie. I I thought maybe it'd be worthwhile uh, talking a little bit about, you know, you've, uh, you've made this great film. And I mean, how many bands are there out there that go into the uh, studio the second time and they just can't capture (laughs) the magic?
1: I know, but second albums are always my favorite of bands because it's really like a moment, you know, like, all right, like, are we going to evolve? Or are we going to do the same thing? Or, you know, are we just going to try something and go for it and fall flat on our face? And then just knowing the third album is going to be back to the first album, you know, so. (laughs) Right. What was Pearl Jam's second album? Was it Vitalogy? Vitalogy? Five Against One. Well, they changed the name. It was Versus. But it was Five Against One originally.
0: Yeah. But I mean, that was like a total, there was a bunch of departures on that, right? That were like really great songs yeah yeah but that's like that's when it's really
1: i think that i love second albums like weezer another example like second album really went for it there with pinkerton and like you know they at the time everyone hated it but it became so much more
0: i uh i say i know i I see where this is going (laughs) (laughs) well i was i was just like well what do you do as an encore right i mean um it's it's a you know how has it changed in terms of your approach right you're not you're not totally on the uh, the, yeah. the pension pennies situation probably as much. At least you probably have a, a greater capacity to fundraise. And then how do you pick a next subject? Those are you know, those are some of the hard things. Yeah, I, I mean, we about. explored
1: a couple of other topics before the one that we currently landed on that we're working on. And a lot of times it's just dead ends. Like the way we work is I mean, we build relationships for like a year before we ever even bring a camera and start rolling you know like with broken castle we were talking to the kids and started you know they were the kid like rochelle was in sixth grade when we first met her and then by the time we started shooting she was in eighth grade you know so like we had been you know following her through high school so it's it's a long process for us and because relationships is the only way you're gonna actually get anything like of real value or emotion you know it's you know people have to believe that you have their best interest at heart and we do and we also like i don't know it's weird we we are working on another project and and there's a lot of similarities to brooklyn castle and we did not intend that in any way but it just seems to be something that's following us so we're just going to go with it yeah i mean it's funny like brooklyn castle was started by katie just going into the school being like hey this is a really cool story can we come you know hang out and they're saying yes And and then with this story, we're like sitting on the couch and she's like, what should we do for our next project? I had a couple ideas of things and she's like, I don't know, like, what about a town that has no Internet? You know, and like literally that's where it started. And we discovered this place in um, in West Virginia. And um, our stories that we're working on now is about a town in West Virginia where cell phones and wireless devices are banned by law. You know, it's kind of, they're not Luddites completely, but they, you know, they, they're living in a, in the past in a way. I mean, they don't really have much of the technologies, like kids growing up there are the opposite of ours. They have zero devices. Their parents are not on devices. They don't see people on devices walking around. They don't see people ignoring people while they eat on devices and and that kind of thing. And It's not a big town and not a big population, but it's still a very interesting place that is forced to kind of. Shun technology.
0: Yeah. So, I, you mean you showed me the, the, the trailer for it. And I mean, I think there's so much to like about what you guys are up to. You know, I really worry a lot about being seduced by devices. You know, I mean, like one of the things I think about is like, you know, there's a, a huge value in just being bored, right? Like, if you're bored, that's when you think of stuff. We don't give ourselves the opportunity to do that enough. So, I'm really kind of excited to see where this, uh, where you go with this film. Um,
1: that's a really, Great point you brought up. I'm sorry to interrupt. Um, you know, because I, you know, being a, a New Yorker and a commuter, you know, I get on the train in the morning to go to work, and literally myself now having work out, working on this film, I've become more aware of my phone habits. So it's like myself, and maybe I can count two other people that are not either looking at a device or using a device to listen or watch or something. You know, like everyone is is looking down like a zombie, and no one is participating in the world around them and doing what you're talking about the uh, the just being bored like just being lost in your own thoughts for a little bit you know and like just letting your mind wander like no one's doing that anymore everyone has, is like i watch people on their phone i've literally sat cuz i'm standing up holding the rail looking down at someone sitting and i'm watching what they're doing and they're doing absolutely nothing they're just seduced by the phone the light it's like they're they're like one of those fish with the with the hanging light you know like the the angler fish you know like And it's like, that's the phone. And I watch them swipe back. They're at the, like the home screen with all their apps and they just swipe back and forth one, you know, one way. And then they swipe back the other aimlessly, just back and forth, not actually engaging an app or doing anything in it. Just back, like, just so that they're like, looks like they're doing something perhaps, or maybe they're just, I don't know. And it's weird to me. It's like, it reminds me of a Star Trek The Next Generation episode where there was like this game that took over the ship. Oh, and I remember now, that one. It's like, that's what I think now. When yeah. I'm like, what's going on? Like, you know, like I just wish people would be bored more, like you're saying. Like, I think there's something to be gained from that. I think you there's there's some part of our brain we're not en- we're we're not engaging anymore because of that and i don't know what the long term effect of that is
0: yeah it's kind of crazy to think about i mean i i do uh daily meditation you know my brother's a zen buddhist monk we're to hopefully have him on the show soon uh, but i do a daily meditation and i i actually i'm not going to tell anybody not to listen to a podcast cuz i'm starting a podcast here but um i often you know will go for a run or a walk or something and i i specifically don't listen to anything just to kind of get a chance to, to get back to some nature. So I I think you're, I mean, this quiet zone is going to, I think hit home in a lot more ways than, than you maybe even initially intended. I mean, I think it's a great idea. I also love the idealistic vision of you and Katie sitting around the dinner table saying, Oh, we just did Brooklyn castle. What are we going to do <laughs> next? Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's really cool that you guys are out there trying to amplify these, really kind of amazing stories it's it's super cool so what's the you know what give us at least a little feel for what the stage is of that and
1: yeah i mean we're a long way off i think of actually releasing it i mean what you saw is basically we're going to use that to to raise more funds we got you know one of the hard things as a first timer for anybody out there that might be a you know first timer um, the hardest thing is just getting people to give you money and you know luckily there's things now like kickstarter and crowdfunding sites which are great for people like that that first timers maybe have a big circle of friends i don't think we're going to go that route so much because it's a lot of work that's like a full-time job that we didn't really fully understand i mean we made brooklyn castle when kickstarter was created and we were one of the first film projects on there and we didn't understand nobody understood how it worked or you know how much work it actually took to make successful campaigns and we did three for 20 grand each. And it was a lot of work to fulfill all the all the promises you make people for giving you that money. And with that money, it helped us on in each step of the way. But I think this time, you know, having a little bit of a track record of success, you know, that we were able to fully realize our vision because we met with people that turned us down. And then when we were done meeting with again, <laughs> you know, and it's a different situation, you know, they, and they actually see that you pulled it off, you know, so it's- yeah it becomes a little easier. And we got uh, some exploratory grants to explore the story, quiet zone that we're working on now. And basically what you saw on screen was uh, the fulfillment of those grants, which was to put together a piece based on what we were able to shoot with the money they gave us. And so it's, I think we feel like we have maybe like a third of the film shot, you know, from that money. So, I think we are actively trying to move the story and figure out where to, you know, where the, where to move the story forward. But the hardest thing for us is, you know, with Brooklyn Castle, we were right down the street from the story. And with this one, it's, you know, further away in West Virginia. So it's a, it's a bit of a challenge um, going back and forth, but luckily it's a lovely place and our kids love going there. We have a, we have a great place to stay when we go. And well, actually speaking of Brooklyn Castle, Pobo is a, he's on the track team at uva he throws shot put and he's in like top 50 in the world like he has like uh like he he's like i haven't peaked yet and you know has like olympic you know aspirations and you oh, know really. could do it <laughs> he's a giant human being
0: well and there's no shortage of confidence in that in that guy wow i mean he's He's, yeah. an, he's an inspiring charismatic figure for sure i mean it's a the pins and needles what he's waiting to hear those election results is is a is a great moment right it's a good moment in the film well nelson uh let's let's uh bring things back full circle i mean you made this great movie you are creating great stories you're moving on to another what's seems to me is going to be a another awesome story you know a, a lot a lot of um uh, people's success comes from being inspired by other people. So I was wondering if you could tell us whether there were some specific people, you know, what do you got to Gainesville? Why did you want to be involved in television? You know, why did, what was, who are your mentors or your inspirational folks that that got you there and maybe thinking about some of the things that, that uh, they taught you? Are there any specific lessons that you can remember? from any uh, of that?
1: Sure. I mean, it's funny because, you know, an obvious answer to that question is my dad is a really inspiring person to me. I mean, he has like the very typical American immigrant story, you know, and that was always really special to me. And, you know, he's a musician and um, I was always really into music and, you know, going to college, I thought I wanted to do music. I changed my mind almost instantly and put, put in production you know television production as my major right right away and i never changed it is funny because you know you know typical college student they had changed their major a million times and like i just i just stayed with with it i watched my dad struggle being a musician and i didn't not that he resented music but i didn't want to resent it if it wasn't if i wasn't successful at it or something and i kept it kind of personal you know as like something i just like to do
0: Yeah. It's a lot more fun when you don't have to make a living doing it. I'm hoping to have one of my buddies on that I played music with for a lot of years out in Bellingham on for a a podcast soon. And that's the struggle with music, right? Is that it consumes you a lot of times it's like part of your soul, but it's, it's really hard to make a living doing it and it can maybe poison a little bit.
1: Yeah. Well, and I was, I was a little afraid of that in some way. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's a mature thought to have. I don't know why I had that thought, but it's like something that you know obviously shaped my life. I mean, I always I've played in bands since ever since college until like I got married. I was playing in bands. I mean, you saw my band play in Seattle. (laughs) Yeah, sure. (laughs) When we like toured from Brooklyn, we came. Yeah, yeah. Um, So I mean, you know, I was always doing it, but I was it was always like you know, for my own enjoyment. Like, I mean, I wanted it to happen, but it's a young man's or woman's game. You know, you have to be 18 and have no responsibility and just like go on the road. You know, that's the only way to make it happen, really. I mean, there is more, like we were talking earlier about the internet and getting things out there. I think that's one of the awesome things is like you can also be a band that just gets famous because you're good on YouTube and that's it. And, you know, it's possible, but, you know, you just can't bank on it. You really do have to have you know, you really have to want to work at it and have no responsibility and just go out there and sell yourself constantly. Um, It's hard to do when we were like, that's why I stopped playing. I mean, we were like in our thirties going like, eh, we have careers, you know, like, uh, you know, so what are we doing?
0: Well, I I mean, that's where a little, I mean, there, I think there are more opportunities for these side hustle type things, right? I mean, it doesn't, you know, what's the the latest one? 10% side hustle or something like that. 10% entrepreneur, I think is what I I read recently where like just devote 10% of your time and your money to something and do that as like a a thing where you, you try it for a bit. And if it fails, you know, it's in kind of a lean or what do they call that A a agile sort of methodology. You know, if you're talking about software development, right. You don't spend a lot of time or effort on it. You see if it sticks and if it doesn't, then you move on to something else. And, And, you know, don't spend, you know, you don't have to do it where you're like a lot of people think these entrepreneurial things music being one of them is something that you'd have to do 100% of your effort in but you know i mean i don't know i think it's i think there's value in trying these things like these little experiments with yourself
1: i agree and i think there's like a um, an analogy to people that overdo it at the gym like they go they go from nothing to like trying to run a marathon and then they blow their knees out cuz they like try to do it too much you know it's like the same idea like you gotta you got to like you know, try it see if you're into it like slowly and yeah see if it's gonna if it sticks i mean that couldn't be a more better advice you know of, of trying something creative
0: yeah i've been i've been doing this some crazy gymnastics type stuff lately and you know in a utopian future i can do a iron cross on a ring right but i'm not gonna i'm not even gonna attempt that today because i gotta be able to do a whole lot of other stuff before i'm even in that pantheon you know
1: <laughs> yeah. Right. It's like everyone just wants to like be the marathon runner right away, you know, or whatever. And it's like, yeah, it's hard to, you can't, it's, it, and that's funny. Cause like, I have this other little thing. I don't want to really get into what it is, but it goes into that. Like, and Katie's encouraging me to work on it. It's like my own idea that's outside of, she doesn't really care to work on it. It's just my own thing. So I'm like trying to devote this year, like you're saying like 10% of my time to just developing it myself, you know, just have something in the back burner. Cause you know, when things get slow on one project, you have something else to work on. And I like having this, this idea that I can, that Katie and I now have a little bit of freedom to like explore our own ideas after making Brooklyn Castle. So I just want to keep taking advantage of that as much as I can. You know, I, I get burned out. I'm working on the, the dumb cable TV shows that I have to work on every now and then to pay the bills. But, you know, and they're not all bad. There are some that are great. You know, I like, do I work do a lot of sports programming and I love working on that kind of stuff. But sometimes you work on stuff and you're like, gosh, is this really good for people or society or anything? You know, and it's like that was also that to, to come back to the beginning, you know, that was the impetus of wanting to do something like Brooklyn Castle was we were able to tell a positive story and stop you know, we were sick of hearing that public schools do everything wrong. They there was a wave of films that came out around that time about, you know, basically like charter schools are the answer and public education's terrible. And it's like, it's not true at all. Like there's lots of great things happening. It's, you just, you can't, you got to just look for it. And we just wanted to tell something positive and we knew that there was an audience for it. We didn't realize it was going to be as big as it was. And I give all that credit to the kids. It's really, it's them that, that are, are what made people and the teachers and really made that made people respond way
0: they did yeah I mean it, it's a it's a it's a great story but yeah I mean I think the you know the the lesson from all of that that I think is really powerful is there's a lot of people that are unhappy with with what they do for a living and they shouldn't feel afraid to try a little something experimental on the side right give you give yourself a shot to do something you love I mean maybe it's something creative maybe it's something with your kids or whatever it is there's there's a lot of value in that and it might not work out but you know, don't get so caught up in it that it has to be something that succeeds. Do something that might be fun and, and you might learn something from. And, and maybe it does turn into something more. Maybe it turns into the next Brooklyn Castle. I mean, that's, you know, maybe you're, what you're working on without Katie turns yeah. into some, you know, major, new, great documentary film or whatever it is you're working on. That's But t- taking that chance is the lesson, right? Because if you don't take that chance, it's never going to happen. Yeah.
1: It's not going to, ha- no one's going to hand it to you. So you have to grab opportunities when you can. And they seem daunting. And there were times when, I, I think getting back to what we were saying before, like I, you know, people watched early cuts of Brooklyn Castle. They didn't like it, you know, and I would just like sit in under the shower, you know, for an hour, just like, you know, hating my life. And then I would like be a zombie. It'd be like three in the morning and I just like turn the shower on and sit there with the water running on me you know, now that now it's like completely cold, there's no more hot water. And then I would get out and then I'd like get dressed and then I would just like walk around the neighborhood at night, like just like a zombie, like I, like, and I, and just keep telling myself, like, like, I know that it's in there, it's in the, on those drives in that footage is what we need. It's just, I, I just got to unlock it, <laughs> you know? And it was like, and the persistence of that and just, you know, every time I wanted to give up and that's having, I have a great partner that, you know, wouldn't let me give up on so, and, and, you know, we wouldn't do it for each other.
0: Well, um, we, I think a lot of people appreciate you going through that struggle because uh, something great came out of it. Uh, let, let's, let's do one thing before we close it up. I, I, I like to leave people with the bottom line uh, some sort of interesting thing that you could think <laughs> of. So, pretend you're Marty McFly. That's a back to the future reference for any youngsters. And you can give 20 uh, year old Nelson one piece of advice. What's it going to be? And, and hopefully, this is a night of studying back at, <laughs> Florida and not one where we're sampling a a tank (laughs) from a Gainesville's finest. So you might actually remember it.
1: I mean, I guess there's lots of lessons. Um, I think, especially when you're first starting out, and and I can only speak from the entertainment, but I imagine this would be in any career. There's always like a, you know, a starting job. You think you can be the boss. You know, you think you know all the answers. You know, it's like, I just wish I had the, I could tell my younger self, like the patience is if you use if you have patience it's like all that stuff's going to be there like that don't be consumed with how how do i be in control it's like be consumed with how what can i learn from the people around me i mean i did that ultimately but it's like i but i struggled and i beat myself up over why aren't i progressing further in my career or why aren't you know faster or comparing myself to other people and i think i would tell myself to not don't beat myself up over that stuff like it's it's there it's that 10,000 hour thing you know you have to do it for over and over and over again to master it
0: yeah it's really easy to get consumed by climbing the ladder right
1: yeah yeah it, i got so consumed with that for so long and it's and it was so it, it seems dumb now you know like it, it was such a waste of my emotional energy
0: yeah i mean i think personally say that's been a fault of mine too it's really good advice for everybody pretty much in, in, in any sort of vocation that they're in. Well, you know, we've talked a lot about some great stuff, Nelson. I really appreciate you coming on. It means a lot to me. And I think people will, uh, people will find, you know, your story heroic, right? I mean, I know you don't want to be called a hero, but you made a story about heroes and, and that, to me that makes you a hero. So is there any way people can learn more about it? Should they just follow you on Twitter or what's the best way to learn more about what you and Katie are up to?
1: Yeah. I mean, um, if you are interested in like starting a chess program or any of those kind of things um, or learning more about Brooklyn Castle and where to watch it, you can go to brooklyncastle.com. We actually are in the midst of starting a website for the other project and for our own production company. That will be rescuedmedia, I think, nyc.com. Uh, that's not up yet, so don't quote me on that yet. Uh, <laughs> uh, and Twitter, yeah, I'm at n underscore e underscore d. And if you want to see me tweet about gator sports and other stupid crap, definitely the place to go. Uh, But if you also just want to chat about Brooklyn Castle stuff, I'm always happy to talk about it or the kids and if people out there can think of opportunities that perhaps give the kids they love to be uh, do public speaking kind of things. We give them lots of opportunities all the time to go to film screens and talk to kids about the things they've overcome in their life. And we do a lot. uh, Pobo is not because he's an NCAA athlete. He's not allowed to do those things right now. But once he's done with that, (laughs) he
0: will be back on the circuit with us. Um, (laughs) I'm sure he will be. That guy's a, he he likes the media, I would imagine.
1: Oh, he does. And yeah, I mean, he's going to be a politician and he's a, he's a great soul and still a wonderful kid and. Doing great things and if i i i check him out like you know espn is great now you can see every event of every college like they have you can watch track and field events all i watch his i've seen him on t v like doing his thing so uh it's been really fun to to see him grow and and the kids in general they're just really successful and they're the real heroes like you know i never everything about Brooklyn castle to me is about the kids and i don't i hate like you know it's like it's something we made, but it's like those kids trusted us to tell their story. And so like, I just always want to give them the spotlight. You know, it's like, it was, it's nothing without them.
0: Well, uh, I appreciate that. All, all heroes should be humble to some degree. Uh, you can you can go ahead and check that box, my friend. Uh, <laughs> so thanks for coming on. Thanks for everybody for listening to this very first uh, edition of Hesse's Heroes. I hope you got something inspiring out of it. Maybe learn something from Nelson and I chatting about the great work he's done on Brooklyn Castle and hopes to do with some other things. You know, it's it's your opportunity to, to learn from somebody special. And I hope you can take these lessons and stories uh, to heart and make yourself into more of a hero. So thanks for joining me and uh, we'll catch you next time. Just as I was getting ready to post uh, the version of this onto uh, the web, I got a Text message from Nelson saying that he had misspoken the name of their website. So uh, uh, if you're looking to catch up on them, uh, you should go to www.rescuedmedia.com. R E S Q U E D M E D I A. All right. We'll see you next time.